We all wish we could talk to animals. As it turns out, we can. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley explores the nature of interspecies communication. What are our animals trying to tell us? Animals commune through love, a force that opens all doors. Listening to them teaches us how to be better humans. Why? We can trust them to tell us the deepest truth about who we are and how one can grow into a more powerful version of self. Laura shares over 20 years of stories and wisdom learned from her work as an animal communicator in this hard and thought-provoking show. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Thank you for joining me today. Um, we have a lovely show planned. You can listen to me um, at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm on every month, or you can download the podcast selections for free, which is a great service that they offer at Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we're going to talk about your pet's lifetime achievement award. And the question really is, is it overdue? So I want to first tell you a little bit about some other things that I'm doing personally. Uh, I'm working right now with a virtual workshop um, that I'm offering starting this Saturday. So this Saturday is the start date of a virtual workshop that you could still join. I think there's room still for three people. We're trying to keep it under 15 people. There might be 16 people around there. Um, so a small group of people um, that want to learn a little bit more about how animal communication works in terms of um, how your brain works, you know, uh, how energy works through time and space uh, with lots of homework, ideas, lectures. The, each section is 90 minutes long. There's five total. The cost is $600, uh, which comes out to about $80 an hour. Uh, my sessions, if you sign up and have uh, a session with me, uh, the cost is $225 an hour. So that's almost like a, what, 65% off the normal rate. I, I'm offering this class because I'd like to give back. Uh, so many people over so many years have supported me and supported me and built my business and told their friends about me and referred me that I have this very thriving community of people, a lot of whom book appointments with me. And they ask a lot of the same questions as one another because there's big curiosities about things like, you know, intuition and how does it work? Um, your left and brain, left brain and your right brain, like how do those two coordinate? How does that dictate thinking and help you be more intuitive? Um, it's about eliminating obstacles uh, to clear intuition. So you have to kind of think about things a little differently, more like understanding that energy is a vibratory language that we can all share. Animals do vibratory languages really well. It's part of their instinctual package. We know how to do them, but we've sort of forgotten how to do them because of civilization and the fact that we have a frontal lobe so that we can actually speak a different language. Um, but if you quiet that part of your mind and redirect your thoughts a little differently, you can also pick up on all the vibration of animals. So the workshop is five sections long. You don't have to do every one. They're every other Saturday starting this uh, February, February 4th. Um, if you want more information, uh, Karen Klein is my assistant 
And it's just easiest to send her an email and she'll send you the information on it. Uh, her email address is kcline2011 at gmail.com. I'll say that again. It's kcline, K-L-E-I-N, 2011 at gmail.com. Or you can call and she'll return your call, leave a message at 352-369-5993. That's 352-369-5993. Done lots of workshops in person. This is my first big uh, Zoom effort. I'm excited about it. it um, the, the classes start February 4th and they're done April 1st every other Saturday morning for 90 minutes from 10 to 1130 Eastern time. The idea is to challenge yourself and work on some self-love. It's called a path to self-love the class. And it's the prerequisite for the next class I'll be doing, which I think that one will be probably a bigger group. Um, and that one is um, basically not uh it's not a prerequisite to take this class that i'm teaching now but it, it it's this class is a precursor because the next one is learning tools for animal communication so very specific to animal communication and um lots of exercises to practice together uh, because like anything intuition builds like a muscle if you use it and so the idea is kind of holding you accountable so that every two weeks for 90 minutes together we cheer each other on and work through some exercises and a little bit of lectures, ask some questions. It'll be very interactive. Uh, so that one, I'm going to do a to be announced uh, when I know my spring schedule a little bit more. I'm planning on fitting that one in later this spring, the Animal Connection one. So more on that later. Thank you for indulging me on explaining that to you. Uh, again, I appreciate everyone listening today. Um, so... You may wonder why I came up with the title I came up with. Um, it is your Pets Lifetime Achievement Award. Is it overdue? Well, I had the opportunity and the delight this last week to accompany my partner, uh, Stephen Teachman, who is a farrier. Uh, farrier is a, a blacksmith for horses. He specializes in sport horses, uh, jumpers, specifically horses that compete in eventing at the highest levels. He's been to five Olympics, and uh, this year he was recognized by the American Farriers Journal and the Kentucky Derby Museum, and he got a Lifetime Achievement Award. So we flew to Cincinnati, and they did a fabulous job honoring him and thanking him for mentoring all the young people in his group that he has mentored over all these years, as well as his own personal contributions. Um, so it got me thinking about personal success and mentorship. I'm trying with my classes that I just told you about the virtual workshop to give people some opportunities for some mentorship. And I really got to see he, he did his job as a farrier or a horse blacksmith for 50 years. And all these young people kept coming up to him and thanking him and tapping him on the shoulder. And they've watched his lectures. They've heard his classes. They participated in workshops with him and you know, thank you for all you are always constantly teaching so generously. So it got me thinking about when we, in life, it's just good to try to be, you know, a good person, right? Try to be a good mentor or teacher to anything that you are adept at and help others kind of come along and, you know, give them a hand up, right? Um, and so in life, I got thinking about achievements are never really accomplished alone, 
and as Steve said, actually, in his acceptance speech that, that night, that really achievements would be kind of, I don't know, really not worth much if you did them by yourselves. It's rich and rewarding that they are done with others and at the acknowledgement of others. The sense of community is important for everyone, the givers and the receivers. Uh, it was a very emotional night, a lovely uh, tribute to his work. So I got thinking that, you know, with people, we give and we receive and we acknowledge the pat on the back. We get a raise if we've done a good job. We maybe get a gift. Someone tells us, wow, that looks nice on you. Or, wow, that was super helpful information. Thanks for helping me. And then I got thinking, well, some of our greatest helpers in our lives are often our pets or our companion animals. And so what about them? Do we reward them enough for what is really a lifetime dedicated to us? Right? That's the ultimate uh, sacrifice, maybe. I'll say it that way, though. I don't know that they would regard it as a sacrifice. So when I say that, I mean like, you know, your cat, say, you come home, you're weary, you've had a rough day, maybe you're a little sad, um, your cat sits on your lap and purrs, and all of a sudden you're sitting next to them having a cup of tea or a glass of wine and petting them, and all of a sudden they're purring, and you think, isn't this nice, and oh, I have a nice home, and look at my nice cat, and I just feel so relaxed, and it's a gift every day that you come in, and that cat or that dog sits down next to you and says, oh, well, don't worry, you're home now. Leave all that other stuff behind that was people's stuff, all the hard things throughout your day. Leave it all behind. And let's just be together. And let me show you how much I love you by purring or wagging or licking or even playing. Right? So that's a pretty amazing gift. And I know everybody appreciates that very simple thing about uh, having a pet of some sort. And then sometimes... The other extreme is, I don't know, you're going to run to the bank, you're going to go to the drive-thru, you pick up your car keys and your dog flies to the door like, I'm coming with you. You're, you think, do you want to go to the bank? Hmm, okay. Now imagine if you said that to a friend, right? Every time you picked up your keys and you're kind of lonely and you kind of want some, you kind of don't really want to go do those errands. They went, that's okay. I'll come with you and cheer you up. Well, a friend, a good friend might do that frequently, but they can't do it all the time, nor would you probably want them to. But when your dog does it with you, or even your some people's cats, it's like so fun. Like, here we go. We're going to the bank because they think it's fun. They're going somewhere. The teller will probably give them a treat. <laughs> and they make you feel like, oh, you got a lot of drudgery to do, but I'm going along. And won't that be fun? Because I'm super excited. I'll get me up into your vehicle and let's go. Um, so how often are we rewarded with that sense of mm, bliss? You know, not very often, right? Um, to have someone always intrigued with participating in what we would like to participate in is really something. Um, another case that I'm thinking about um, is I, I have a dog named Peaches, and she is a golden doodle, labradoodle. She's a labradoodle, but she's golden. Um, she's large, and I got her from the SPCA. I've told stories about peaches on the show in the past. And uh, my former husband, who's passed away, his name was Bob Rowley, and Bob loved peaches, and he got cancer. And when he was uh, in our living room and under hospice care in a hospital bed for nine and a half months, peaches laid down with him 
on his feet every single day because his feet were cold because he didn't feel very good. And he was, you know, sick. Didn't matter what she wanted to do. You could try to bribe her to get down food. Let's go outside. Do you want to play ball? She wanted to lay on his feet every day because he needed her. He needed to just feel grounded and loved himself. And she knew I was working and doing my best to take care of him and work. And so she was like, it's okay. I've got this, you know, I'll keep him company. And she did. So what a gift to, to Bob, but what a gift to me too, as his caretaker. Right. Um, so she stepped right in there. Talk about an unsung hero. That's imagine sitting next to somebody's bed for nine months because they might need you to, you know, because they feel bad. Mm. So very self-sacrificial, pretty much like Mother Teresa, right? Or, you know, someone fabulous like that that gives up their life for the life of another. So horses that I talked to. I talked to a lot of horses. My background is horses since I was ooh, 12. I think I got my first horse, but I wanted a horse since I was, you know, I was one of those horse crazy kids. I wanted a horse since I was seven, whatever. And um, I still have one all these, all these years um, and I've competed them. And it's just amazing uh, when you take your horse, you're going to ship him to a horse show for the day. You're going to put him in a metal tin box, drive him down a bumpy road that he can't even see where he's going. He willingly gets in the box. You close it up and you'll say, okay, I'll see you when we get there. He has no idea where he's going, right? So off you go. You arrive at the horse show. It could be hot. It could be dusty. Might be windy. Could be cold. He said, okay, what are we doing here? Let's do it together. And he joins you in your competition. And doesn't matter what you do to compete. I used to, I've done a little bit of everything at the lower levels. Um, so, you know, I wasn't terribly good. I had to learn. I was nervous. It wasn't like I was a ball of fire to hang around with. I was probably kind of a drag, you know, as I got better, I got a little more professional, a little bit, you know, quieter in my body and not, I stopped having stage fright, but I was kind of a wreck, right? I didn't really know how to compete. I hadn't done it as a kid. Um, wasn't in my family's repertoire to be able to afford that in time particularly. And so, um, you know, I'd get there and I was anxious and, you know, worried I wasn't going to be in time, <laughs> you know, kind of like a nightmare, if you can imagine, just nervous and jerky. And, you know, the horses that I took over those years, they were like, okay, what are we doing now? Why are you being neurotic? You're a wreck. Okay, we'll do it. Calm down, get on and let's go do this thing you know, jump a fence, do a cross country course, ride dressage. I did a little bit of, of all of that. And I was a nervous competitor until I got going. And I, I did improve. I have to give myself credit for that. But at first I was pretty bad and made lots of mistakes and maybe was in a horrible mood, I would say, because I should be better than this. And oh my God, why am I failing? You know, all that stuff you do when you compete. So uh, my horses just were like, okay, let us know when you're done with all this self beating and narcissism <laughs> and we'll go back in the metal box go back down the bumpy road and then you can take me back to where I really want to be which is you know maybe in the stall where I have hay and water and comfort or outside with my friends where I can play in the sunshine and drink water and eat grass so in other words sacrificing huge chunks with trust of their day to say all right I guess you're we're gonna go be neurotic together <laughs> I'll go with you Pretty big stuff, right? So if you think about all that and you put it in the context of would a person do that with you? Mm, maybe, but they'd probably say, would you calm down? You're driving me nuts. 
or I'm not going with you ever again because you're a lunatic when you compete. You're too nervous. Um, or they might argue with you. Would you just stop it? Right? We've all had relationships where someone is like, oh, my God, you're driving me crazy. But there's your animal giving it a go. Right? So they teach us to be better people. Uh, and I think we all know that. Like, I'm probably saying the most obvious thing on the planet when I say that to you right now, that they teach us to be better people. Um, you know, even when I, um, you know, you're rushing around. We were laughing the other day with a friend who was on the phone and she tripped over a dog while she was on the phone to me because she was in, she was late. And um, so she sort of said to her dog, oh, I'm sorry, I'm annoying you. I tripped over you. Oh, just get out of the way for a minute, would you please? Because the dog tends to follow her around and she can't really like take two steps without him being right behind her because he wants to go with her because she had the keys in her hand. So um, you're in a hurry. You think that's the most important thing. They're thinking, I love you and I just want to be with you. So you maybe aren't being as gentle with them as you could be. Maybe you're being a little bit annoyed, a little irritable. She certainly was, which we laughed about afterwards, because um, you're thinking, would you just get out of the way? And then the minute you calm down and say, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. You know, he, he gave her a, a lonely look like, wow, you hurt my feelings. The minute you said, she said to him, oh, I'm sorry, come on, I'll take you with me. I'm sorry, I'm just being crazy. He wagged his tail, followed her out the door and went with her anyway. So teaching you forgiveness, Right. They forgive you instantly. They might make you suffer for oh, a minute or two, right? We've all had the experience of when we leave our dogs or cats for too many hours, they give us the cold shoulder for a couple minutes when we first get home to let us know that that was just too much. But basically, they forgive us. They say, okay, well, now that you're back and you're being nice again and you're back in your own body as a nice human being instead of being a crabby human being, remember that I love you and now let's just go off together again or let's sit down together. So forgiveness, what an amazing thing and compassion uh, to be in the presence of that every day with your animal. You know, how lovely to focus on their joy at seeing you and, and how pleased they are to participate in your, in your life. Um, kind of constantly and with extreme loyalty. It's, it's truly amazing. So thank you for listening. This is Animal Connections with Laura Rowley, and I'll be right back with you after the break. Thank you. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. 
Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Quantum Jumps presents a radical new paradigm that we exist in an interconnected holographic multiverse in which we literally jump from one parallel universe to another. In a moment, you can become smarter, more confident, happier, more outgoing, more effective, in better relationships with more willpower. When you sense a new connection to another possible you, living the life you'd prefer, immerse yourself naturally into that new state of being. And voila, you've made a quantum jump. Supported by scientific research, Quantum Jumps is an inspirational book backed with practical tools to help you live a happier, more prosperous life. Learn more at quantumjumps.com. Are you searching for a way to help create global change? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's vision is to have an eclectic group of radio hosts dedicated to educating, enlightening, and helping humankind with positive messages and tools that enhance lives using different modalities and programs. If you would like to join our team and help illuminate the universe, call Deborah at 508-226-1723 or Deborah at dreamvision7radio.com. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. Hi, this is Laura Rowley, and you are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley and on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or on your mobile devices to learn more and for a full schedule, please go to dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for listening. If you would like to check out my website, it's lauraroweyhealer.com. So that's how you would find out about private sessions, uh, workshops. You know, I don't keep it real up to date. It's kind of a general one because I have a an assistant, Karen Klein, who's wonderful. And it's so much easier really for you to call her when you want an appointment or just information about whether you want an appointment. Um, and the best way to reach her really is through email. And so it's K-K-L-E-I-N 2011 at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. So it's K-K- 
L E I N two zero one one at gmail.com. Got some virtual workshops coming up on animal communication. I'll have dates for that probably in the next two to three weeks. I have to wrap up my spring schedule, figure a couple things out because I will be traveling for workshops. I do workshops. People um, hire me to go to their barns or uh, to their homes with dogs or wherever they'd like me to go to teach them how to work with their own animals or uh, do a lot of readings for a group and or even teach people how to do readings. So I do all of that and I kind of do it on a, on a basis based on your needs and what you're wanting to get out of it and how big a group you want. So that's why I don't try to say all that on my website because it no one would want to read it all. We basically have to sit down and talk about uh, what I can do for you and whether or not, you know, it'd be fun for you to have me. So uh, I enjoy doing that now that we are not stuck in um, the house anymore and we can go out and about. So thanks for joining me. We were talking about your pet's lifetime achievement award. Is it overdue? So, you know, I know I would say that for my pets, I'm going to say yes to the overdue. <laughs> I mean, and I even try to really tell them all the time how wonderful they are and thank them. But, uh, you know, I would say that most of the appointments that I do with people, uh, people call me to find out how well they're doing with conveying gratitude to their pets. And is there any deficits with their behave- behaviorally, emotionally, physically? Is there anything they can do better for their pets. How they know that they're maybe not doing so great is because some sort of strange behavior crops up. Something seems amiss. So their intuition, the person's intuition is sort of ringing, saying something's not right here, but you can't quite figure it out for yourself. So lots of times they call for a session with me or other animal communicators. Um, So One such person, uh, Robert, um, is a professional acupuncturist. He works with people in the Northeast of America. And um, he called me up because he uh, loves, loves, loves his horse. And he competes his horse um, in, in jumping. Um, it's very serious for him. He takes a lesson every week. He tries to improve. Um, he's very, um, conscientious about it all. Um, suddenly his horse, whose name is Marble, um, uh, Marble, um, just sort of, I don't know, started acting crabby, uh, didn't get in the trailer gracefully you know, didn't want to walk into the box. Was he afraid of the trailer? He wanted to know. Marble tells me, no, not afraid of the trailer. And then Bob said, well, he used to walk right on the trailer. Now he doesn't anymore. Can you tell me why? And I said, "Um, he said, you don't want to go. Marble said that Bob didn't want to go. And Bob said, well, I'm trying to load him on a trailer so that we can go to a horse show. What do you mean? I don't want him to go. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, okay, so I'm wondering if, you know, myself, if I had misinterpreted what Marble said. So I went back to Marble and I'm like, Marble, he says he's asking you to go, you know, by pulling on the rope to get you to walk into the trailer. You've done this many times with him before. What's up? So he said, um, well, he, he regrets going. He doesn't think he should go. So why are we going? It seems stupid to me. So Marble sends that idea to me. Sometimes they send it as sentences. 
Sometimes they send it as pictures or ideas, thoughts that kind of drift past me. So I just sit there and listen, and then I reinterpret for Bob, same message. So Bob said, why would I spend all this money, time, and effort? And then not want to go like, I don't, you know, he was kind of accusing me as the animal communicator, of, you know, not hearing the horse correctly or not doing a very good job. He didn't know me at the time. We were, we were new to each other. Fair enough. So I said, Marble, he's not really understanding what you mean. He thinks I'm not telling him right. Could you tell me a different way so that we can help the two of you like each other better? Um, so he said, well, um, every time we're going to go somewhere, Robert gets very um, withdrawn and quiet, anxious. He's on his phone all the time. Um, when we're home and we're taking lessons with the trainer, he's attentive and pets me and tells me good boy. He's, you know, like quietly focused on what the trainer's telling him to do. But on days when we go to leave the, the barn um, to go away for showing for the weekend, he's like withdrawn and crabby and doesn't want to go. So if he doesn't want to go, I don't want to go either, you know, so that's fine. Let's just not go. So I told that to Bob. Now I was starting to realize what was going on here. So Bob said, well, um, I'm, of course I want to go. And I said, well, do you really, Bob? <laughs> I said, I don't think so. And he said, uh, well, my business, it's hard to leave, of course, because, you know, I'm a doctor of acupuncture and my people need me. My clients really need me. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've got, you know, hundreds of clients. I get calls all the time and I definitely do get stressed out about leaving for a couple of days, you know, like on a Friday, Saturday, coming back on a Sunday, because what if my clients need me? And so I'm on the phone a lot, but tell them it doesn't mean I don't want to go. I just have to complete what I needed to do to get there. So. I pointed out to Bob the idea that Marble had already sent me, which, you know, I just wanted to clarify it for him, that if you never take a break from what you do, if you're so conscientious that you can't do something for yourself, something you love to do without being kind of a wreck about it, because you're worried everybody else needs you in your other professional life, then you're kind of living wrong, right? I mean, why aren't we living for ourselves? You know, I, I can be pretty guilty of this myself. So I said to Bob, you know, sometimes other people's needs are very critical, but sometimes they'll just have to do without us for a while so that you can go have fun. And I think what Marble is saying to you is you're kind of being too codependent with your clients and not really participating in the greatest thing of your life, which is this fun competition you do with your horse, which you practice all the time for. So I think he's sort of telling you to, you know, get a life. Um, so I su suggested to Marble that if Bob acted more enthusiastic, would it be okay then if he just hopped on the trailer and acted happy throughout the course of the day? And he said, well, sure. So we worked on this, I think twice together because Bob needed a little coaching along the way. He came, called me back with like, okay, I thought about this. And actually I realized what a wreck I am and how I am so like worried about my clients needing me that I don't have fun. So we had a couple sessions with Marble that, I don't know, over the course of a couple months and they, they solved it. Like Marble clearly led Bob towards a life where he embraced the fun of what he wanted to do, um, knowing that his patients would have to be okay without him. You can't be everywhere all the time for everybody, right? So um, a beautiful lesson that Marble taught Bob and Bob was cool enough to listen to it. Um, I have to give him a lot of credit for that. 
Um, another case, which is sort of similar to this, and I'm going to share this one because I think I, I do a reading like this several times, maybe even a week sometimes, especially during vacation months when people are planning their getaways. Um, Carolyn uh, was planning like a two-week vacation, a long one. She needed it. She was exhausted. And um, her mother was moving from the family home. So she really had to go to another state and help her mom move. Um, who was elderly. So it was a big deal for everybody. A lot of emotions attached to letting go of things and sad for her mom. And so she was distressed. Um, and so she called me to tell me that her cat Pearl was going to have to be taken care of by a neighbor. And that, it, you know, it wasn't going to be the ideal situation with all the bells and whistles that normally Pearl was used to. And would, would it be okay with Pearl? Um, because, you know, there was a regimented schedule at their house, you know, 7 a.m., we ate, then, you know, then I let her out, then I bring her back in at noon, we have a, a little treat then, I clean her litter box before then, I might not be able to change her water. So the lady that was taking care of the cat of Pearl uh, was older and wasn't going to be able to keep up with sort of this whole big, long <laughs> regimented schedule. So Carolyn wanted to make sure that Pearl would be okay with that. So Pearl was really game. She said, oh, please go. I see that you need to go, that you're longing for your mother. Pearl could see Carolyn's had been sending through vibration real concern for her parent. And Pearl totally understood motherhood. So she understood that there was something going on with a family member that was critical. Um, she didn't understand the details of that, but she knew what it was about. It was about family. So Pearl said, oh, please tell her to go. In fact, I am a cat since I have you on the phone, who loves adventure. And my life here is too regimented. It'll be an adventure for me to wonder when the lady next door is going to come. It'll be fun for me to try to get her to do what I want and, and show her what I need, um, get extra treats maybe. Like tell her I'm actually looking forward myself to the vacation from our regimented life. Um, so when I re relayed that to Carolyn, of course she felt you know, pretty great about that. She was surprised and maybe a little hurt, which we all are when we realize that they do just fine without us lots of times. Um, but there was a case of Pearl just sort of leading her into a sense of take care of what's your priority and don't worry about the rest. I'll, I'll cover you, you know. Um, I wanted to thank several of you who very generously donated money to Pals for Life in Philadelphia. A couple months ago, I had uh, Peggy Schmidt, the Pales for Life administrator on. She told us all about the companion animals that um, visit schools and libraries and hospitals and do support work. And um, a lot of you responded by donating money. Uh, thank you very much. Peggy called me a couple of weeks ago to thank me for having her on the show. And then a lot of people get, gave really generous things, which really helps their program, which had a rough couple of years because of COVID. They couldn't visit any hospitals or, well, they couldn't visit anywhere, <laughs> right? Um, but they have in their office uh, a bunny, and the bunny's name is Sprinkles. I'm pretty sure that's the bunny's name. Um, and Sprinkles... Um, it kind of embodies for me a lot of the, the good in animals. Um, here she is a rabbit. She goes to lots of times schools where maybe like a ring, a circle of kids at a library or at a school are going to read a book to the bunny. And that helps kids um, 
focus, get interested in the book, get interested in talking to the bunny. Um, and so now all of a sudden they're enjoying the whole reading session instead of uh, maybe feeling like they don't really want to participate or it's trouble for them. So it's a real advantage to educators to, to use animals in this way. We had that chat about Pels for Life um, when they were on here on my show. But back to Sprinkles. Um, it's interesting because when I met her, um, you know, she only doesn't weigh much. She's just this little adorable creature with big brown eyes, gray, soft, fluffy hair. Kids love how she feels. The kids are kind of rough and excited when they sit down at the circle. So, of course, whoever's handling Sprinkles makes sure that Sprinkles is safe, right, from the kids not you know, squeezing, picking up by a hind leg, doing something that could be harmful. So there's Sprinkles pretty defenseless, really, with a whole tribe of people around her. And I said, well, how does it feel to be in a group like that? You know, all these little kids are, you know, staring at her and want to hold her and pet her, breathe on her, <laughs> you know. And, you know, she's a prey. She's an animal that would get preyed on. She's a prey animal. So that can make prey animals really nervous because they don't have a way to defend themselves other than to freeze or run. So there she is, a bunny, that instead of freezing and running, she actually crawls on these kids' laps and lets them pet her, right? Until they sort of get more quiet, then the whole group settles down, and then the kids get to take turns maybe reading the story to the bunny. And there's sort of this weird magic that happens because Sprinkles decides to sort of override her fear in support of the good of the group. She totally gets that that's what she's there for, and she does it like an unsung hero, you know, many appointments a week, you know, they regulate how often she does it. If she gets too tired, they give her time off. Um, they're pretty brilliant. All the people that manage companion animals and support animals, um, Pills for Life is great at it. And um, there she is just donating her time and all of her energy. And even actually it must require a fair amount of courage to be a bunny with a bunch of, you know, nine-year-olds. Um so she said, yeah, I'm safe and I'm here to teach them trust and love and confidence. She likes it. She totally gets her job. You know, who knew, right? So thank you for listening. We're going to take a short break. This is Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. 
Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience Hope, the magic elixir of miracles through the personal stories of New York Times best-selling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, sacred stories of transformational hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Laura Rowley. You're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. I'm on every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time Live, or you can um, download the podcast and listen to it at your leisure. Um, thank you very much for all the downloads. Um, well, it's amazing how many people are listening. I appreciate all the support very much. And um, welcome any feedback you want to give me through my assistant, Karen Klein. I gave her email earlier in the in the podcast, but it's K Klein. So K K L E I N two zero one one at gmail dot com. Any feedback, questions, topics that you'd like to have me work through? Um, love to do it. Love the I love the I love the feedback. Thanks so much. We're talking about the unsung heroes and lifetime achievement awards that they deserve. Um, so I kind of collect some of the ones that are particularly cool and meaningful, but also collect the ones to relate to you that also are common themes because the people that um, learn by having these sessions from me always say, oh, yeah, you can share those. I usually I change the names or change something in the story so that, um, you know, it's not obvious to their friends and neighbors because I don't want to talk about their personal business. But um, the themes are the same, right? Uh, we all sort of struggle with the same things. And hopefully this is an educational show and you see a little bit of yourself in the mirror presented by these stories. Um, I want to tell you, I'm trying to think which one I want to do next. Uh, here's, here's one that's pretty common. Um, this woman, Stephanie, called me because she was really depressed a couple, maybe six or eight months earlier, I would say. She had to sell her two horses that were like really dear to her. They'd, they were, one of them had been her daughter's horse who had let the, um, her daughter compete at like 4-H and barrel racing when she was a kid. The daughter had grown up and, moved on in life, moved to a different state, got married herself, had a career. Uh, so she kept the horse with her mother and um, the mother, Stephanie, had to sell that horse as well as her own personal horse. 
um, her own personal horse's name was Jasmine. I remember such a pretty name. She was an older mare and um, Stephanie did her best to place them in really good homes, you know, asked a lot of questions, had them come back and forth, you know, asked if she could go visit the horse after they left. Like she did everything really responsibly. She'd had the horses for like 15 years or one of them for 15 and the other one for like 12. Um, so she wanted me to connect with Jasmine and the other horse's name was, I think like Dreamer, I'm pretty sure what was the other one's name um, and see if they were okay. And to tell her how disappointed she was at the time she had to let them go. Um, one of her other children was gravely ill and required extreme help and care, um, was hospitalized, didn't recover, kind of a nightmare story. Um, later on, her daughter did get better, but was handicapped afterwards. So riding horses and that whole lifestyle just kind of went out the window. There wasn't time. There wasn't money. There wasn't energy. Um, they even had to move to a smaller place near a rehab center for her daughter. Um, so they had to let the horses go. She felt terrible and guilty. So that's why it's a common theme. We often sometimes feel like our life circumstances as humans lets down our animals. And I know I've let mine down in the past for sure. Um, so I want to just say that if you can listen to the words of Jasmine, I thought it always helps me when I hear these stories, because I feel better myself about the times I've had to let go of animals because it just wasn't the right time for me or the right place. Um, so Jasmine, who was an older mare came through very wisely, like an old wise woman. Um, and what she said is something that I almost want to print on my, across the, um, on the wall across from where I sit to remind myself of this wisdom. She said, there is no right or wrong. And that Stephanie is heavily vested in the idea that something is either right or wrong. Um, like it might be good or it might be evil. But lots of times there's what Jasmine was saying was there's gray areas. Um, and that Stephanie was being way too harsh with herself. There's no reason to make yourself wrong is what she said by judging that I shouldn't have done that. The truth was Stephanie really didn't have any choice. She had to do it. So Jasmine understood that because, you know, Stephanie had conveyed it pretty well to her uh, vibrationally by letting crying and telling her, I'm so sorry, but, you know, and Jasmine liked her new owner. Like it had all worked out. Okay. As far as Jasmine was concerned, she loved that Stephanie had contacted me that there was this acknowledgement. We all love acknowledgement when we've given a big piece of ourselves to someone um, or to a cause. We all like a pat on the back. So we thanked Jasmine for everything she did. And um, she basically understood the idea of responsibility um, because horses in a herd or dogs in a pack or cats in a group, they all realize that they have to work with the group um, for survival, for one thing, they instinctually need to do that. Um, it's safer to do that. So they understand sort of group dynamics a lot better than sometimes we realize they do. So she said, basically, she showed herself pacing between um, being with the older mares that she was with and wanting to be with a younger horse in the field. And she said, I can't be in both places. I have to just pick what will make myself happy. And that's what Stephanie had to do is she had to not make herself responsible for everyone and everything and to not make her life hard for no reason to try to just settle where you are, 
try to be serene about it, you know, try to feel a sense of accomplishment for, well, you've made a decision, you helped who you could, and meanwhile, you did a responsible um, action for those that you could not help. Um, You can't be everything to everyone. Back to that same message that keeps coming up. That comes up a lot. Um, because I think sometimes animals in a group have to make choices. I see them do that of all the horse herds I have managed in my life, which are lots of them. Um, you see animals have to make a choice sometimes between the person and themselves, the other horses in the group, being a leader, being a follower. You have to make the group work so that you feel sane yourself based on what you think you can give. Um, so, they understand it in us, I think, sometimes a lot better than we understand it in ourselves. Um, <laughs> a, funny, a funny one was Margaret, and um, her horse's name was Parliament. Horses are fun to talk to um, because unlike um, cats who are more inclusive of like they – they like their little quiet group, their people, and they might want to chat, but they're not usually big ambassadors about it. They usually usually have to wait a minute for them to start to send me messages. Horses, lots of times, because they spend so much time being trained every day, um, where we all know how you can train a cat, right? Like, that's not easy to do. Um, they don't think that way, cats, but horses like to be trained and interact with us. So they have a lot of fertile ground there, a lot of information to share pretty readily when you talk to one. Dogs are the same way. Dogs and horses are easier for me anyway. I'm sure other communicators could tell you a different story. But anyway, Parliament uh, was her horse. Um, and Parliament was was being contacted by Margaret with me um, because Margaret felt they were out of sync in their performances that they were arguing. She was not getting a response from parliament that she wanted to get when she would apply the aids. So for instance, if she pulled on the reins, she didn't feel like parliament necessarily stopped or turned or it took too long or too much effort. Um, And she said, I don't know. I got this horse like eight months ago and I thought we should be further along than we are. Um, I I just don't think this is working and I think I might have to give up and I, I don't know, should I sell it or I don't know what to do. I don't think she's happy with me. She doesn't listen to me. So I threw it over to Parliament. So Parliament was like, I'm fantastic at my job. What does she mean? (laughs) Parliament thought everything was fine, um, even though she was ignoring Margaret's aides. Um, And what she said was interesting. She said, well, she actually isn't being quite as clear as she thinks she is. She's kind of weak with her aides. In fact, she avoids requesting something from me with clarity. So I just take over and do what I think I'm supposed to do. I'm kind of making stuff up and I think I'm great at that. So isn't that nice? She seems to avoid sending a proper aid and I don't really listen. I just do what's right by my standards of what's right, which might get them off course or jumping the wrong fences or stopping. It was kind of a train wreck, their performances. The more Margaret told me about how that was going very different perceptions. Parliament thinks everything's great. Margaret's like, it's a nightmare. So um, she said, Parliament said, well, I know what to do. I can go for the win. If she aims me, I'll do my best. If she doesn't, I'll try to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Um, She said, Margaret never really tries to to win. She just tries to get through it, or she's just sort of coping um, with the whole competition. So I told Margaret that. So she got kind of quiet and she said, Oh, she said, I'm really nervous when I compete. I said, Oh, I was the same way. I got it. 
but I said, well, then why are you still doing it all these years? Like, did, aren't you getting over that? Or do you need a sports therapist? Or what do you think you need? And um, so she told me that when she was a kid and she started to cry, she got very emotional. She wanted me to share this with Parliament. She was bullied by other uh, children athletes, like on in soccer uh, games or basketball. Um, so it was easier just to step aside and let the dominant kids win the win the game, get the ball, win the play, um, rather than put yourself out there as a real competitor. She sort of thought, oh, being a competitor is for other people, not for me. So Margaret was going into the showroom with Parliament with a chip on her shoulder, like, well, we'll just sort of do our best to try to get the silver with it, instead of let's go get it done. Parliament was like, I'm going to get it done. So I said, boy, you do need a sports therapist that will help you so much or a teacher that knows how to get you over this hump because this horse is going to get you over this hump she's going to do for you. Um, and it, when you, in lieu of your giving clear command, she's going to make them up. So you better start thinking about doing it for yourself. So there was Parliament ready to teach Margaret. It was very cool. Um, they got better. She took a lot of steps and started to really think about that. She wanted to get over that whole like, oh, I'm a weakling and everybody else wins but me thing. Um, and they definitely started to get on the same page. I don't know that they won, but it didn't really matter. The fact that she tried was, you know, huge. Um, and sort of the flip coin to that idea when I just said it didn't matter if they won. I sometimes have interludes and appointments with um, sort of that whole idea of competition. I've done whole work. I've done whole podcasts on that in the last year. Um the girl Robin, she is an agility dog trainer, a very good one, very competitive, regional winners, state winnings, you know, travels with her dogs all the time, trains them a couple times a week. Um, so I've talked to her for years with all the different dogs that have come and gone under her tutelage with, you know, that other people send to her to train or her own dogs when she has trouble. Um, so she had a border collie that she was working with named Charlie, and it was going to be her dog. And, um, not not a client's dog. And so she was telling me how wonderful Charlie is. And I'm going to be like, this is an amazing, amazing pairing because he is so fast, so clever, so athletic. Um, like we can't be stopped by the clock when I take him to a competition. You know, in, in agility, they have to do things fast. They have to jump jumps, run through a tunnel, go up a bridge, come down a thing. Um, Charlie was amazing at it. Um, but lately, Charlie wouldn't go into the ring. Instead, um, the timer would go off or whatever they use in that sport to get the to say, okay, you're being timed, go. Charlie would run out of the ring the wrong way, not even stay on course. So Robin was beside herself, like, what is going on here? We could win everything. I've never had a dog this good. Like, this is, could be my crowning moment. Instead, it's super embarrassing. And, I'm, you know, my clients are all looking at me like I'm a dummy who used to send me dogs to train. So a lot of embarrassment, which was understandable. So Charlie said, who cares about winning? Who cares about who's being the best? I said, well, that's kind of why Robin does it. So she wants you to understand that it's only for a couple minutes, you know, every day, like it's not for hours. It only takes you a minute or two to run through the, the course. Could you just finish it? And he said, well, it's scary to be in the spotlight where everybody judges you who wants to be judged as fast or slow or not very good. Um, so I just don't want to be judged anymore. I want, I want it all just to be non-judgmental and peaceful. I want a different kind of life. I went out. I went out of the spotlight. Hard for Robin to hear. You know, not everybody loves the competition. Not everybody thinks it's all that much fun. 
um, it kind of broke her heart. I said, well, don't take it personally. He's just not a, you know, he just doesn't care to shine that way. I think she had pushed him a little bit when he was young and he felt done, burned out. So I think she went back and started over with him to see if she could make him happier and change her attitude about it's all about winning and all about looking good and realized she was being a little bit too aggressive that way. You know, it's a good lesson. Sometimes we get carried away with our careers or with any activity that we do. We get thinking we have to be the best or we're a failure. So Charlie taught her that, you know, a great lesson. So we have dedicated this podcast today to honor those who have honored us, the unsung heroes, our pets. They love to be acknowledged. I noticed in my sessions, they loved hearing thank you from their people. They love it when you do it. So you can make a toast, you can give them a pat, take them for a walk, offer a treat, but mostly just show your gratitude and how you feel because they really feel emotions and they really appreciate it when we appreciate them. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Thank you for joining Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Heard every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Laura next time to discover how you can embrace the wisdom flowing from your loved animals. Communication starts with an intention to understand. Each week, Laura helps you find your own unique ability to create a better understanding of yourself as taught through the loving eyes of your animals. To connect with Laura Rowley, go to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com.